الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله واصحابه واصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القران المجيد والفرقان الحميد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم للرجال نصيب مما ترك الوالدان والاقربون وللنساء نصيب مما ترك الوالدان والاقربون مما مما قل منه او كثر نصيبا مفروضا رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وبلغنا رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين my dear respected elders and brothers everything in this universe belongs to allah he is the sole owner of everything lillahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi ard everything belongs to allah whatever is in the heavens and the earth lahu mulku samawati wal ard sovereignty belongs to allah he is the king of all kings everything belongs to allah whatever we are enjoying whatever nemets we have and bounties which we say it's my house my car my this that also belongs to allah it is that it is only that allah has granted us the privilege of the use of all these items which we say it's mine and it is also the privilege that allah has granted us for us to say that it is mine my house my car that's a privilege from allah but real ownership is for allah allah is the sole owner of everything that is in this entire universe everything belongs to allah and when you die when you leave this world everything goes back to allah this for this little while we will say it's my house my car but as soon as we die it goes back to allah then allah will decide who will now enjoy the use of those items and allah will decide who will now be privileged to say that it is my car my house my money my whatever it is so happened that hazrat saad bin rabi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu when he became shaheed in the battle of uhud he left behind two his wife and his two two daughters as was the custom in pre-islamic days the uncles of those girls in other words the brothers of the deceased of hazrat saad bin rabi they came and as was the custom they took everything away they claimed the entire estate of hazrat saad bin rabi So she came to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and she complained that ya Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam I have two daughters and the uncles in other words the uncles of these girls came and they took everything away I am left with nothing Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam then waited for divine revelation to come Another incident has had also taken place as Aus 
bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu he, he passes away he leaves behind a wife he leaves behind two daughters and an infant child they again the cousins or the brother or the male members of the family they come and they take everything away upon these incidents allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed lir rijali nasibum mimma tarakal walidani wal aqrabun that for the men folk there is a share in the estate walin nisa'i nasibum mimma tarakal walidani wal aqrabuna mimma qalla aw kathur nasiban mafruda and for the women folk also there is a share and it has been stipulated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala both the men folk will get a share and the ladies must also get a share and the children will have a share Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't call the uncles and mentioned the brothers of Sa'ad bin Rabi radiallahu ta'ala anhu and mentioned to them that see one eight is for the wife two thirds is for the daughters and the balance is yours you can keep the balance because he had no sons likewise the male members of Malik bin Aws family was called in and Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam instructed them that the inheritance should be distributed as per the command of Allah so as I mentioned in the beginning, nothing belongs to us, everything belongs to Allah. We are only privileged with the use of it and privileged with this that we can say it is mine for a temporarily we are privileged with possession of it and ownership of it. But as soon as a person dies, the ownership goes back to Allah, complete ownership which is Allah's, it belongs to Allah and now Allah will decide who will make use of that who will be privileged with the ownership of that which the deceased has left behind. We should understand that as far as estate is concerned and the distribution of the estate, who is going to get what, who is going to get how much, no person has a right to dictate that. It is predetermined by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as to who are going to uh, inherit from the estate of the deceased. Even to this extent, the murid or the testator, the deceased, even in the one third which he is allowed to make wasiyat of, that also is with divine decree and that also is with certain rules and conditions. So as far as the estate of an individual is concerned, he has no right to interfere in the decision and the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already stipulated, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already fixed the exact shares of those that will inherit after the passing away of the deceased. If you look at all the other commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for example, salah, Command of salah is given in the Qur'an. But the details of the salah you will find in the ahadith. The conditions before salah, during salah, with regard to wudu, taharat, etc. The command is given in the, in the Qur'an, but the finer details and the, uh, and the masail behind the salah that you will find in the ahadith and the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But when it comes to inheritance, when it comes to the distribution of the estate, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has dedicated an entire ruku, the second ruku of Surah An-Nisa, entire ruku giving details of the different shareholders in the estate of the deceased. Entire ruku. 
And then at the end of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Tilka hududullah. This is the boundaries set by Allah. This is the rules and the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَن يُتِعِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ يُدْخِلْهُ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِن تَحْتِيَ الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا وَذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ Then whosoever will obey Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in that which Allah has decreed, in the distribution that Allah has fixed, in the allocation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made, he will obey Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah promises jannat for him and in that there is great success for him. وَمَن يَعْصِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَيَتَعَدَّ حُدُودَهُ يُدْخِلْهُ نَارًا خَالِدًا فِيهَا وَلَهُ عَذَابٌ مُهِينٌ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Further, whoever disobeys Allah, in that which Allah has decreed, in the allocation that Allah has made already regarding your estate, regarding your uh, possessions, if you, if you overstep the mark and the limit, and you decide to distribute it as you want to and how you feel is best, Allah says, يُدْخِلْهُ نَارًا خَالِدًا فِيهَا Allah will put him into the fire of Jahannam. He will remain therein forever. وَلَهُ عَذَابٌ مُّهِينٌ And he will face a very, very uh, severe punishment and a humiliating punishment in Jahannam. So when it comes to the estate, we have to be very, very particular. If a person leaves behind an un-Islamic will, when a person leaves behind an un-Islamic will, then there is a lot of, then he is guilty of a lot of wrong and a lot of, uh, uh, a, a lot of mistake. What is that? First is that he is unhappy with the decree of Allah. Many a times you'll find a person is not happy with that which Allah has stipulated. Simple example is especially when a person has no sons then automatically according to the decree of Allah, his brothers inherit. Now he's not happy with that. Because unfortunately today there's a lot of bickering between brothers and sisters and families, etc. So he's not happy with that. So what he does is, he tries to adjust the will, you know, and make out his own will. So that when he leaves this world, the brothers are deprived of it. So first of all, he will be guilty of being unhappy and displeased with a decree of Allah. And how can we ever be displeased with something that Allah has decreed? Together with that, he will be guilty of disobedience to the command of Allah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. And Allah said, You seekumullahu fi awladikum. Allah has given you this advice. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you this hukam and this command with regard to the inheritance. Also, a person will be guilty of usurping the right of someone. And on the day of Qiyamah, you will have to pay back with your amals. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked the sahaba ikram, Atadruna manil muflis? Do you know who is a bankrupt person of my ummah? The sahaba ikram said to us, bankrupt person is one who has lost all his wealth and his money, etc. That is a bankrupt person. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, no. Bankrupt person is that person who comes with a lot of amals, tahajjud, you know, tilawat of Quran, perform particular with his salah, etc. Comes with a lot of amals. 
But then his amals will be taken and given to different people whose rights he had usurped. And a person who makes out an un-Islamic will before he leaves this world, and he makes out a will according to his understanding, and because of this wrong concept in the mind and the brain, that everything belongs to me and it is mine and I work so hard for it and I should make sure it gets distributed before I leave this world according to how I want it to be distributed. See, so on the day of Qiyamah he will have to pay, pay back for usurping the rights of all these people. Also, we should understand that a person's will comes into effect after his mort, after his death. So when he dies and the will, the wrong will comes into effect, then there's no chance for Toba. If his heirs did not rectify that un-Islamic will of his, he will be taken to task in the hereafter, he will be punished in the Qabr for usurping the right of an heir, for usurping the right of someone. So therefore we have to be very particular that we have a proper Islamic will written out and signed and kept. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that for a true believer, true Muslim, not more than two days should pass without him having a will written out. And when we speak of writing out a will, it does not mean that you go to a lawyer and you sit down there and you dictate to the lawyer that see this car must go to this son of mine after I die and this house must go to this to my wife, and this must go to so and so. That is not what is meant by writing out a will. What is meant is that you have to have a will that is Islamic. Simple, uh, simple thing that we need to do is that just sign, like the Jamiat has a prepared will. You sign the will, make sure that it's signed that you want your estate to be distributed Islamically. According to this, to this ariyat, you sign the will and you leave it. But for a person to go and make additions and subtractions to the will, according to his whims and fancies, and depriving someone who is a, 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 uh, an original heir, then that person will be taken to task on the day of Qiyamah for usurping the right of an heir. Also, another aspect to leaving behind an un-Islamic will is that the heirs, and this is what generally happens, they are too happy with what the deceased had left behind for them. They are not looking at whether it is correct or incorrect, whether it is their right or not their right. As long as they are, you know, they say as long as they are accumulating for themselves and they are in the receiving end, they are very happy about it. If they do not rectify the un-Islamic will, then they will be also guilty of usurping someone's right and they will be guilty of eating haram. They will be guilty of eating haram. They will be eat, you, they have usurped the right of, of someone and they have taken something which does not belong to them at all. So it is of utmost importance that for every individual signs an Islamic will, takes advice from the ulama and ensures that when he leaves this world, he doesn't leave this world in a condition that Allah is angry with him. He doesn't leave this, the world in a condition that he has usurped the right of someone. Then there's something that is very common. 
And that is, you know, especially amongst the older people, that they say, when I die, then this certain item must go to a certain person. The old ladies in the family will say, when I die, then the jewelry must go to my daughter. And the father will say, when I die, then the business must go to the son, or that must go. In Islam, this does not, it, it, is, it is totally unacceptable, and it is not permissible for a person to say like that, because it is as though you are dictating from your qabr who must get what. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already decreed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already fixed the shares of the heirs. Allah has fixed it. Allah has decreed it. So nobody has the right to override that decree and that decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no bequest and there is no, no wasiyat for a heir, an automatic heir. A person, the son, the daughter, the wife, they are automatic heirs. So therefore, there is no wasiyat for an automatic heir. The, the, the deceased does not have the right to say that when I die, so and so must get this. And generally, the problems in the families come about because of this false statement of the father or false statement of the deceased. Many families have broken up. The sons will say, we were with the father in the business. And because of that, father said, when I die, then this business must be yours. Many a times you'll find the mother will say, that papa said, father said, when, I, when he dies, the house must be, must be mine. And now the house is not distributed. Mother takes complete possession of the house. And she's living in a house that she has usurped. Yes, unless the heirs have agreed to it, that is a different situation. But we have to be very, very particular because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has warned in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given a very severe warning in the Qur'an that if you usurp the right of someone, then you will remain in Jahannam for a lengthy period of time. وَلَهُ عَذَابٌ مُّهِينٌ And you will get a dreadful punishment, a very severe punishment on the day of Qiyamah. So as we mentioned, one is the Islamic world. Particular, we have to be very particular with regard to the will that we make. The second thing that we have to be very particular about is that we must leave the decree and the distribution of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as it is. Don't interfere with the decision and the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who is to get how much from your estate is already fixed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we do not have the right to interfere with that. And unfortunately you'll find many people because they have no etimad on the children. You'll find a person coming and he's saying that I want to leave the house for my wife. So the question we ask him, what gives you the guarantee that you're going to die first? He does got no guarantee that he's going to die first. So he says, and many a times you ask him, why do you want to do that? He says, no, I don't trust my children. So this also is an indication with regard to the type of upbringing you have given your children. That you got no etimad and trust on them that they will look after their mother. That is why you want to now alter the shares that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already decreed and fixed for the wife. Allah has already fixed for perhaps the son and Allah has fixed for the daughters. You want to alter those shares. So it is of utmost importance when it comes to our estate 
that we go to the ulama, sit down with them, take advice. Don't just go to any lawyer you feel, those, there are, alhamdulillah, many lawyers who have an understanding of the Islamic sharia, how to make up the Islamic will, etc. You can go to them, but very important to check it up with them, with, with, with the muftis and the, and the ulama, if that is correct or not. Otherwise, when you go into the qabr, you are going to be taken to task, and it's going to be very difficult to, uh, to reverse it. There's no chance of tawbah. You have already left this world. And as I mentioned, the will only comes into effect after you die. And now there is no chance of tawbah. Also understand in the very beginning I made mention of the fact that everything belongs to Allah. We have only been privileged with the use of it and ownership of it. As soon as you die, it goes first to Allah, goes back to Allah. And then Allah then decided that who should now be privileged with the use of it and who should now be the owner, owner of it. We don't have the right to dictate after we have died or left this world who is now going to benefit from my car and my property and my house and my, my assets and such. Also very, very important is for a person to always appoint the correct executor to his estate. Unfortunately, many a times, the executors that we are appointing uh, have no clue with regard to deen or the shariat. They have no clue with regard to inheritance, etc. And then, and in most instances, the executors of the estate are, are one of the heirs also, or perhaps all the heirs. And because one of the heirs or few of the heirs have now the authority, they tend to usurp the rights of the others. On the, on the second point that I mentioned, just to mention one, one very important aspect is, especially when it comes to this verbal saying of the deceased, before, his, uh, before, his, before he left this world, he says, when I die, this must go to that one and this must go to that person. And generally this is what happens. The brothers will call the, or the sisters or the, some of the heirs will call all the, all the other heirs and will say, you remember, Papa said that this must go to me and that must go to me. And they, the sisters or the brothers or the other heirs will say, yeah, we heard him saying this. Okay, sign this waiver of rights. That in itself is un-Islamic. You have actually usurped, uh, usurped the right of someone on the basis of that false statement of that deceased. It's not correct. We have to be very particular about this. Many a times it is, ha- it is happening where the part of the heirs are making the other part of the heirs waive their rights on the basis of this statement that was made by, uh, uh, by the deceased or by the testator. So as I was mentioning is, that we have to be particular as to who we appoint as the executor of the estate. That is why it will be prudent and intelligent on our part to sign that uh, Jamiyat will, etc. So when there's issues, then Jamiyat becomes the arbitrator in the matter. And then they will give the proper breakdown of who the actual heirs are and what are the shares of the different heirs. Then, which is one very important point, especially in the matter of the estate is, to determine what belongs to who. Very, very important to determine what belongs to who. Especially in instances when there are many people working in the home, in, in the house or in the home, 
and all the money is going into one pot and everybody is eating from the same pot. And especially when there are sons in the business with the father, what belongs to who, it is very important to determine that. Most of the issues, family issues, and most of the problems that are experienced in families, entire, you know, very, very strong uh, families that were very, uh, you know, tightly knit families are splitting apart because it was not determined what belongs to who. A simple example is that father starts a business and then you'll find the, the eldest son joining the father in the business. In the meantime, the second son goes to become a doctor. The third son goes and becomes an engineer. All the money comes out of the business. The eldest son is working very hard and he continues to work with the father and suddenly the father passes away. Who did the business belong to? Now the eldest son is saying, I work so hard. You became doctor, you became engineer, you have this property, that property. All your expenses came out of this business. This shop is mine. But it's not his now. Why? Because the father did not give it to him. Neither did he pay him a wage. All his expenses was coming out from that shop. Regarding aspects like these, we need to go and sit with the ulama and find out. I can't go into the details. We don't have the time to go into the details to explain this thing. We'll just give you some examples. Another example of where you'll end up with disputes and where there is no clarity on what belongs to who is that a father has a small house with a nice property there. As the son grows up, the one son grows up, he, move, he moves away. And daughter gets married, she moves away. In the meantime, just as an example, the younger son decides to build on that property. But nothing is in writing. He hasn't written down with regard to how much he spent, what he spent. He builds on that property. And suddenly the father passes away. Now what belongs to who? Now the wife is asked to move out also. She's asked to move out. Who? What, be, what, be, what belongs to who? Another quick example which we need to think about, we don't have time to explain the details of it, is that both husband and wife are working. And both of them decide, you know, let's put towards a house or put towards a car. And there is no fixed amount who is putting how, how much. And who does the car actually be belong to? But because of perhaps tax purposes or other reasons, the car may be put onto the wife's name, the house is on the husband's name, and maybe some other belongings, who bought the washing machine, who bought the fridge, etc. So now what belongs to who? In the instance when the husband passes away, now the wife is, is claiming everything in the house. What happens to the children? How, what, what is part of the inheritance? Who is going to in, inherit what from that house? All this needs to be clarified. There are many, many issues like this in inheritance. Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, تَعَلَّمُوا الْفَرَائِذَ وَعَلِّمُوهُ النَّاسِ Learn the laws of inheritance and teach it to the people. فَإِنَّهُ نِسْفُ الْعِلْمِ For it is half of ilm and knowledge. وَهُوَ أَوَّلُ شَيْءٍ يُنْزَعُ مِنْ أُمَّتِي and it is one of the first things that will be taken away from my ummah, the knowledge of which. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala said, مَن لَمْ يَتَعَلَّمِ الْفَرَائِذَ وَالْتَلَاقَ وَالْحَجِ فَبِمَا يَفْضُلُ أَهْلُ الْبَعْضِ That a person who doesn't learn the laws of inheritance, he's not bothered about it, and he leaves behind an estate that he becomes a great source of, dis- of dispute, 
and it disintegrates fam- families. Person who doesn't learn about inheritance, doesn't learn about the laws of talaq, that's another big issue in the ummah today, and doesn't learn the laws of hajj, then there is no difference between him and an ignorant farmer. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the understanding, all of us we need to sit down. Some of us think, no me, I don't have a lot of money, I'm very poor, you know. But even that person, even if you have a little bit of asset, you should have a will and you should have it stipulated that my assets, whatever little it is, will be distributed Islamically and will not just be distributed anyhow. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Wa akhiru dawana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.